This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, one of the big news stories today is that very rare death we've seen in British Columbia of a BC man who died from rabies after he had contact with a bat. We I spoke earlier on the show today to Dr. Bonnie Henry. She is the provincial health officer. Uh, for British Columbia, she says the man came in contact with the bat on Vancouver Island back in mid-May. He started to show symptoms of rabies six weeks later. Very sadly, too late for doctors to save his life. And she had some great tips and information for people from, uh, earlier on the show today. If you, um, if you ever have any kind of occasion to have any kind of contact with a bat, as rare as that is, but it does happen, you've got to get it checked out. You can't just uh, just think like, well, it didn't bite me, it didn't scratch me, I'm okay. You must check that out. Uh, CKNW contributor Claire Allen has been uh, following the story today. Hi, Claire. Hi, Mike. Yeah, so it's uh, such a tragic case with the 24-year-old who passed away from yeah. uh, getting rabies from a bat. Um, I, I was thinking about this story quite a bit because I think the average Canadian doesn't know a ton about bats because they're quite you know mysterious. They're nocturnal animals um, that we don't see and if we do, it's at night and we're only catching glimpses or faint outlines of bats. Um, right. You know, I mean, I've never seen a bat in the daytime. Um, so I wanted to learn a little bit more about bats. So I called up uh, James Paget. He's a species at risk and di- uh, biodiversity specialist with the Canadian Wildlife Federation. And I wanted to know what it is exactly that these mysterious creatures known as bats do. That's are yeah they are a bit of a mysterious species we don't see them typically uh don't typically see them during the day and they, what we do see at nighttime is kind of catching glimpses they're they're flying through our nighttime sky and typically what they're doing when we do see them at night is they're actually providing a pest control service so bats can eat uh up to a thousand insects per hour while they're flying around hunting at night and including a whole lot of mosquitoes. And outside of our urban centers, um, bats are known to contribute literally millions of dollars in pest control services for the agricultural industry. Okay, don't be hating on the bats. They actually do some good, right? Yeah, they can eat their weight in mosquitoes. Like uh, wow. James said, a thousand mosquitoes or insects an hour. So it's it's pretty incredible. And um, so, you know, there, James told me that there are 19 species of bats in Canada, and we have nine species of those 19 here in B.C., and uh, the problem is, is that while we're afraid about rabies with bats, there's actually a fungus that's wreaking havoc on the bat population. And a lot of biologists are really concerned. This fungus is known as the white nose syndrome. Yeah, white nose syndrome is a fungal disease. It's a fungus that was introduced. Actually, it's not from or not native to Canada. It was introduced from what's believed to be as a cave in Europe. Uh, and it got to, well, Canada actually through the U.S. So some cavers... Uh, is assumed that cavers brought it into a cave in the United States, down in New York State, so very far eastern United States. Um, and from there, the the disease is spread from bat to bat, but can also be spread from people exploring caves and not cleaning their gear properly and then going in and exploring a different cave. So it's human spread and bat spread. Um, it's kind of most concentrated right now in eastern Canada, uh, but it is slowly making its way kind of westward right now into uh, Ontario and, and eastward of the kind of centers, but there have been some some spots been found uh, in the 
eastern, northeastern United States even. Um, so what it does is it's, it basically uh, is a fungus that gets on the, the nose and wings of the bats, hence the white nose syndrome. Uh, it's a white, fun- white powdery-looking fungus. Um, and what it does is it wakes the bats up uh, during hibernation in the winter. And so they wake up, um, they, it causes them to be more restless, they use their energy and water stores when they normally would be hibernating, uh, and essentially they kind of they starve and to death over the winter. Wow, interesting stuff. Is there anything they can do about that, I wonder, Claire? Right, so I was wondering if there's a way that they could work to treat bat populations to ensure that they don't get the white-nose syndrome, because this Ooh. syndrome is actually knocking out tons of bat populations, taking them down from thousands of bats in an area to only hundreds of bats. And as we heard, they serve a very vital purpose in the ecosystem for eating insects. So when I asked if there's anything that biologists could do to treat white nose syndrome, he said that it's actually very difficult because if you, it's a a fungus. So if you were to spray for that fungus, you would actually kill inadvertently a lot of the good fungus that's in a bat cave that they need to survive. So uh, biologists have not figured out a way to effectively treat the white nose syndrome and we have major a major bat population out in Delta where a lot of biologists are just watching and waiting to see if the white nose syndrome will creep into the population and there's nothing they can do other than hope that it you know takes has some mercy and doesn't affect the entire population right um, So obviously the issue of rabies and bats is top of mind for our listeners right now because of the story about the 24-year-old man that passed away from rabies after coming in contact with a bat. So I asked James about the prevalence of rabies in the bat population. Here's what he said. Definitely coming into contact with any wildlife um, species is is, something we have to uh, be very careful with, whether it's a bat or any other wildlife. Um, You know, we, we... tend to tell people to keep their distance and observe wildlife from a distance as much as possible. I mean, sometimes it happens inadvertently as well. It does require for rabies to be transmitted. It does have to be um, direct through uh, contact, either through a scratch or a bite. Um, It can't be transmitted through just touching uh, wildlife. That being said, I mean, a a small scratch or a small bite could uh, go unperceived. Canada-wide, generally, bats don't typically carry rabies any more likely than any other wildlife, uh, raccoons and skunks and foxes. Um, I did actually read up from the BC Centre for Disease Control. Um, Bats are the only known um, wildlife in BC to carry rabies, and of that, not all bats do. They actually say that only 0.5% of bats in BC would be uh, potential carriers or would be carriers of rabies. So, of all the bats that are there, it's still a pretty low number. Um, as I said, it's still wise to keep our distance from wildlife and not handle them. Um, what happens, I think there's over-reporting of um, rabies uh, because in bats in, in general because typically they're behaving uh, irregularly. So we may see the bat during the day when normally we shouldn't. The bats should be you know, roosting during the day. We wouldn't see them out and about. They'd be acting kind of funny, uh, so people might go and check them out and bring them to a rehab center. So um, of the bats that are brought into centers, there's about 13% of those that are tested positive for rabies. And so it's basically because people are finding the ones with rabies more often than they wouldn't be. It's an interesting point he made there, Claire. And, and Dr. Bonnie Hendry in my earlier conversation brought up the same point that if a bat is out flying around during the day, 
and that's when it comes in contact with a human, it kind of increases the odds that there's something wrong with that bat because they normally don't do that. Right. Like yeah. with any nocturnal animal, if you see it in the daytime, it's there's probably that's probably a sign that something is wrong and you right. want to keep your distance from the animal. But with a bat, if you come into contact with it because it's flying erratically in the daytime and it hits you or whatever, you yeah. should seek out medical attention. And that is the bottom line, that if you come into contact with bats or any form of wildlife just seek out medical attention as soon as possible. It's better to be safe than sorry. And right. like we talked about earlier in what's happening right now, there is a vaccine for rabies if caught early enough. So just be careful. And this wildlife, you don't know, but it's better to uh, err on the side of caution. So when I was talking to James, I was saying that this the news about the young man passing away from rabies after coming in contact with a bat may have a lot of residents afraid of bats. Mm. And James was saying that you should not be afraid because bats actually do not intentionally, healthy bats do not intentionally seek people out. We don't have anything like a vampire bat in Canada. Um, and so, yeah, bats def definitely are not seeking people out. What happens is if they get into a living space of a, of a home or whatever, they're flying around to try and find their way out mostly. So they may, you know, end up inadvertently in someone's home. The other thing what they actually do is people kind of get have that fear that bats are trying to fly into their hair. But what they're most likely doing is actually flying close by to eat the mosquitoes or other insects that are flying around us at night. So mm -hmm. they'll swoop in and around, but they're actually picking off the insects that are that are around us. So I, I totally understand why that would freak you out if you had a bat flying yeah. around your head. But, you know, try to remain calm if you do and don't throw your hands up and scream, which I would have to remind myself not to do because it's very <laughs> freaky. And when I was talking to him, I, I asked him about bats flying into people's hair. Like, that's something I hear all the time, that, you yeah. know, bats are coming for my hair. It's going to get tangled right. up. You know, how are you going to get the bat out? But he said that there's <laughs> actually been tests where they have a bat in a room and like a wig of some sort or right. even individual strands of hair just hanging somewhere. And bats can see it's not great vision at nighttime just like ours but they use echolocation to get around uh to make sure they don't bump into things and he told me that the echolocation is so great with bats that they can detect even the finest strand of hair and avoid it when eating insects so if you are concerned about bats swooping around your head they're not seeking out your luscious locks they're really just <laughs> trying to eat insects Claire, great job. Thanks for doing that. Thanks, Mike. Okay, that's Claire Allen, CKNW contributor with the latest on that uh, very unusual and sad case or that man who uh, died sadly from rabies after coming in contact with a bat.